Good morning. It's great to see all of you today. Hope you're excited for Christmas. It's here. Whether you like it or not, it's here. I hope you're having a good day. Boy, I tell you, how many of you went shopping on Black Friday? Anybody? I mean, you actually went out and shopped. Wow, that's, that's brave. Well, I hope you had a great experience. Um, I wanted to go. It's crazy. Usually, you know, a 64-year-old guy doesn't want to go out shopping on but I could not talk anybody in my family into getting up early in the morning and going out shopping. Nobody wanted to go, and so uh, we didn't get an opportunity to do it. How many of you, you've got Christmas lights up already? You're ready, you're ready to go. There, God bless you people. I, God bless you. You just, you make it all happen, because I'm out there with my grandkids, driving around neighborhoods looking for lights. Please make your house one that we stop at. You know, like the shepherds stopped to see the baby Jesus. Please make your house one of the ones that we can stop and see and enjoy. Um, wanted to invite you to t- tonight, this evening, we have what's called Hanging of the Greens happening at 6 o'clock. It's, uh, uh, you know, we're saying we're decorating the church. It's really an excuse for us to get together, just uh, share some dessert and just talk about Christmas, get ready for Christmas. We will be decorating the facility uh, but just an opportunity to get to know other people, uh, just to kind of get into it all. So we invite you to be a part of that at 6 o'clock. It's really going to be a good time. If you're a football addict like I am, we will have at least one TV with a game on, so you'll be able to get to it if you absolutely nece- uh, necessary. But since, since the New England Patriots stink, um, I'll be helping decorate this year. It looks like I might be helping decorate for about 10 years how bad they are. But it's great to see all of you today. Uh, You know, when I'm thinking about the Christmas story and the real one, and I'm going to get on this with you guys, and please don't be disturbed by my honesty, okay? Please don't. Um, I'm just telling you how I think in my head. Um, There's a solution at the end of this, so don't get worried. I'm not going to create a problem and not offer a solution. But but don't you sometimes think that this, the Christmas story is a little naive? I mean, le- that it lacks complexity? Um, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a 21st century person. My generation, we went from uh, black and white TVs to, you know, we saw it all happen. And when we come to a moment like this at the end of the year, and then we're talking about Christmas... I have to kind of like, okay, what is this story about? And I know we all have a general idea about what the story is about. But as as a modern person, I look at the story and I'm like, really? I mean, like, really? It's like, because don't we mess it up with other stories? I mean, you got this story going on, then you got the Grinch comes in, and then you got Santa Claus, and then you got four Christmases, you know, and then you've got, uh, you got Elf, you know, and, and I know they're TV shows and they're movies, but, and they're unreal, but they begin to overcast onto this story and you begin to like, okay. And so what I have to do at times is like, okay, this is a beautiful, sweet story, but, the, but how real the story is very important to me. And I even, like, last week, went back and refreshed my mind a little bit about this, is that we have more historical evidence that this story and the life of the story of this man, Jesus, actually happened in history 
then we have proof of Julius Caesar. I don't think anybody here would probably doubt the historicity of Julius Caesar. But this story and so many other stories about the Christ that was born and the story that we're going to be looking at is real. It's embedded into history. It's a real story. So maybe over the next couple of weeks, when you're, you know, we got Jesus in so many different ways right now. I, um, I haven't gone to inflatable Jesus yet, but I do have plastic Jesus at the house. Um, molded Jesus, carved Jesus, uh, cartoon Jesus. Um, we have all kinds. And so in the middle of that, for me, it's easy for my mind to put this in the realm of myth, to put this in the realm of pretend. And I just wanted to kind of, as we're looking at the story, there's nothing pretend about it. This is very real. The impact is very real and measurable. And so when I was looking at the story and then I began to think about what's going on in the world around us, continue to pray for peace in Israel, uh, for uh, the end of this situation that's over there, for the peace for Palestinians, that God would continue to move in that situation as they're removing, uh, as hostages are being released and some ceasefire seems to be in place. But over the last couple of weeks, I think some of us have been rushed to the brink. It's kind of like, oh my goodness, this is like the end. There's war happening in Israel. There's China. There, there's us. There's, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on in the world. And, and when I begin to look at it, I, and, and then all of a sudden you insert this Christmas story, it's kind of like, ah, it's like, is this something really to hold on to? You know, because the world is so visceral and real right now. And so when I went back in to look at the story and it, it was like, what is the story saying to me other than um, a season of cheer? And what I began to look at is that in this story, there is this thread of hope on the move. It, it's, it's, um, there are so many obstacles that we have in life today. And when I mean by obstacles, I'm kind of referring to like buildings or large structures in our life. And we're trying to move around and there's all these large structures in our lives. Live stru uh, large structures of discouragement and fear. Um, there are structures that are around us of uncertainty. Uh, there are structures that seem to impose a threat on my life and on your life, just big things that you and I really can't seem to move. There's, there's the threat of war, there's calamity, there's financial upheaval, there's fi uh, family challenges, and then there's the internal anxiety and fear. Structures of thought that we all have, patterns of thought that we, we live in and they become large and they become rigid and they, they become these structures. And in the middle of it, it's easy for us um, to fall into despair because there are things that are so large against us that we can't move. Will it ever change? Will it get out of my way? This is stopping me from being able to accomplish this or to that. And for a lot of us, those structures are so large that we fall into despair and, and doubt, and the structures seem more real than the story. That's what, that's what goes on in my mind. Is that like, like when, when you're having to deal with, it, maybe in your life, a, an illness 
that is real. I mean, it's like structural. You have been told that it's moved into this part of your body and we can't do this and we're gonna try to contain this, but it is a structure that has presented itself and it's like, that's real. And it's in moments like that, it's like, can I get a thread of hope? Is there a story? Is there a truth? Is there a hope that moves within structures? that's able to, even those things may not be removed out of my way, but that there's a hope that moves and has the power to move through the structures of life. Um, We focus on these structures. We get locked on these structures. It's funny, I like mountain biking a lot. And one of the things about mountain biking is that you cannot get focused on a structure you've always got to be focusing on your eyes as you're going down and you're going over rocks and you're going up stuff and boom, boom, over limbs and, and logs and all. You have to be about, about six feet ahead of where your wheel is. Because if you look at where your wheel is, you'll get locked into a structure, a rock, and you'll lose control of your bike. It's almost like you've got to look out a little bit before it. Otherwise, it's kind of like, have you ever been on a bike or a car and you're about to pass two two objects that are really close and you don't want to hit them? And and a lot of people, you'll slow down, slow down. You'll look, 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 how's my mirror? How's my mirror? How's my mirror? You know, and you kind of inch your way through. That's one way to get through it. Another way to get through is to look at something in front of it and just shoot for that and, and take these other structures out of your mind, but they're still there. And I find the Christmas story to be one of those focuses of mind and heart where you like, you know what? I need to be looking less on the structures of life and I need to be looking at the hope that's offered in the middle of it. But you may have some big structures. Um, then there's the other thing is we become a part of the structures of life and we lose our mo- movement. We lose our, we lose ourselves. Um, we lose the awareness of God and we become a part of those structures. And I have felt that maybe in the last two years, you know, in our culture, and I don't expect anybody to cry for me uh, at all, but in our culture, 64 white guys, 64 year old white guys are really like, we're the, we're the least favorite people on the planet right now, okay? It's like, you know, and some of you are like, well, welcome to earth. Now you know what I felt like all my life. It's like, cool, I I got it. But you know what? There are sometimes in the middle of it, it's like, I have no purpose. I have no meaning. You know, I have, you know, we were actually doing a little social experiment at the front door. So we put a young girl at the door and she's about 15 years of age. And I put me at the other door. And we actually were having a competition to see how many people would go through my door and how many people would go through her door. And, and I'm sorry, we were running an experiment, uh, um, but only one person went through my door. Everybody, everybody was like, you know, she was there with the door open, and it's like, I got to pastor, I got to. And it was like, only one person, and she said, well, you'll have the advantage because you're the pastor. I'm like, no, it will actually be a disadvantage because people don't want to talk to me. You know, it's like, that's the pastor. Don't want to talk to him. Don't want to have a conversation with that guy. He's whacked. And it's like, uh, uh, he may ask me how I'm doing. Then I'll have to tell him. Well, I'll have to lie. And then I'll tell him. No, he'll know. He'll know. You know, so they're like, I'm going to go through that door. And, and so um, it's easy, I have found, to collapse into the structures of culture. And you're just what they told you you are. 
and you are just there and you feel like there's a sense of a lack of purpose. We focus on structure of people and, and we lose the movement of people who are around us. You know, um, he's white, she's black, he's a Republican, he's a Democrat. And, and we will put people in structures and then we'll move them in, in, in structures, you know, or we'll move around them as structures. And so the Christmas story is, what I've rediscovered is, is one of divine movement within structures. You're gonna find in this story, there is the structure of government. There's the Jewish government, there's the Roman government. There's the structure of law and there's commerce going on here. You know, there's a, a census that's being taken. There's gonna be the structure of religion at that time. This is how people think and operate religiously. There will be the structures of no room at the end. That will be a space-time structure that will have to be dealt with. There will be the structure of the, of the stable where Jesus is born. But what we're going to see that in the middle of all of that, a divine movement within life of a virgin and the submitting heart of, of a carpenter make their move towards Bethlehem. It's like there's a ribbon of divine purpose that moves between the structures of life, the culture of life, the time of life. A young woman moved upon by the Holy Spirit, the movement of angels, the movement of God upon a carpenter's heart, the movement of shepherds, the movement of magi from foreign lands. And so when I looked at this story, as I look at my life, as I look at the United States, as I look at what you and I are experiencing and cultural biases and all those things that are in place in these immovable objects, instead of getting frustrated, instead of getting despairing, instead of beginning to question, rather, we begin to rediscover from this Christmas story the divine movement in the middle of all the structures. God doesn't shoot Caesar. God doesn't kill Herod, not at this particular moment. God doesn't wipe out governments. God doesn't change the social economic status of Mary and Joseph. God doesn't put Bethlehem closer to their hometown. He doesn't do any of that. He doesn't alter the structures. What he shows is that in the middle of the structures of life, the hard edges, the things that are bigger and stronger and immovable by us, in the middle of it, God just says, it's okay, we'll go around. We'll go around. We'll go through the middle of it and we'll continue. And so what I'm seeing from this story is that no matter what you're facing today, the structures that have risen up against you, that God wants to remind you that he has moved in, in the midst of imposing structures and he wants to move in your life as well. Who could conceive that in the midst of the structures of the great Augustus and the scrutinizing watch of, of Jerusalem that a kingdom would be born? So let me read you this story again that has been recorded accurately in history and just see how God moves. And as I read the story, let this not be just a seasonal description, but rather maybe a prescription for what is immovable about your life, about what you can't seem to overcome or that's something that's imposing you. And I'm gonna read the story and I'm gonna stop while reading the story 
because I know you know the whole story, but let me just, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man who was named Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. Now let me just stop right there because what I'm doing is I'm looking for structures that are immovable. And what I'm also wanting to see is God moving in the middle of these structures. In the sixth month, okay, the structure of time. God is moving in time. This is not moving in imagination. This is not moving in theory. This is movement in time and space. He is moving at a specific time. We find that he's moving in the, uh, the angel Gabriel was sent to, from God to a city of Galilee. What, what is the city of Galilee? That is the structure of human culture. That's what Galilee represents in this story, is it, human culture, that God moves in the middle of it. And even if the worst culture possible, God still moves in it. We find that he, he moves, it says, of the house of David. What is that? That is God moving in the structure of family history. Because you may have a family history that is terrible. And let me just say, we think, well, of the house of David. You know, uh, like, that's David. Let me just tell you about the murders and the adultery and the abuse and all the other chaos that happened in the house of David. Okay, so you may be living in a family structure right now that is totally dysfunctional. You may be in a marriage right now that is totally dysfunctional. And it's just like huge. The bitterness, the resentment, and it's large. You know, it's, and, and sometimes we'll say, no, this, we got too much history. We got too much. And here we have in this story Every obstacle possible to mankind, every structure is being laid out in this story. Structure of time, structure of culture, structure of family, family history. And the story goes on and says, and the angel came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. I love this one particular. This one's probably my favorite. It is, she was greatly troubled and tried to discern. This is the structure of perception. Is trying to figure out what the heck is going on. I'll tell you, of all the structures that you'll encounter in life, we can handle just about any other structure if we knew what was going on. If we knew why God allowed that to happen in our lives. But Mary's in this place here where I really am having a hard time figuring out what, what is this. And so in the Christmas story, God wants to challenge your perceptions because your perceptions may be structures. They may be ideas or thoughts or uh, a worldview um, about yourself, about people around you, about the future of life, the future of your life, how your past is going to pan out it may be a perception and a structure that is blocking you from moving in your life. You know, um, and Mary, this has a perception issue here. 
And we're gonna find how God moves even in the midst of perception. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne, the throne, the structure of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob, Again, now we're seeing the supremacy of the structure of God over the structures of mankind. He will, he will reign over the house of David, the structure of tradition, forever, and his kingdom, God's reign or structure, will be a structure over all structures, and there will be no end. Okay, now that gives me a little bit of hope. That begins to put hope on the move that all those oppositional forces that you and I face in our lives, whether they're governmental, cultural, perception, or whatever, is that there is one structure that will reign over all structures, and that will be the throne of God, that will be the mercy of God, the compassion of God, the truth of God, the love of God, will be above all other structures. But I love this, um, because Mary, Mary's smart. Okay, she's, if, if you have any thought that she's just like some dope, you know, that, okay, you know, like she's just like, you know, I, I, and sometimes we do and we, we turn, but that she wouldn't have a question. Remember, we're already told she's having a hard time figuring this out, just like you and I are. Sometimes we just have a hard time figuring it out and I have a perception problem of what's going on here. So I love it. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? See, Mary's fully aware of another structure, biology. She's very aware of it. And she has a right to ask God. It's like, listen, okay, cool. That's great. Like that. Mm, that's going to be awesome. Throne of David, awesome. Reign forever, super stuff. Uh, but I have a structure. And my structure is biological. I'm a virgin, and virgins don't have children. And um, I, I love that, uh, that this story is addressing every particular thing that could stop you and I in life. She was structurally, at this time, a virgin. Um, and it makes me remember that we run into our structural limitations all the time in our lives. How can God love me? Um, there's a, a perception structure. I am divorced. That's a structure. If you've ever been divorced once, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I'll raise mine. I've been there. That's a structure, man. That's a daggum structure. Um, I have too many doubts. I'm not good enough. How about I'm the wrong color? You know, you've been told by other structures, but your structure is the wrong, wrong color. Um, I've messed up. I've got history. Um, I'm not educated. You know, that's another structure. So heaven answers her limitation. 
it, he addresses, the angel addresses specifically this structure. And the angel answered Mary and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. I don't fully understand and theologians for years, uh, centuries, have tried to figure out what all that means. Okay? You know, and maybe you're the kind of person that's come up to me and I love it. You know, where did Jesus get all the chromosomes? You know, I mean, haven't we asked or are we afraid to ask? Mary wasn't afraid to ask. She was basically asking, you know, I'm a virgin. You know, I, I, we don't have enough chromosomes here to make this work, right? She didn't say it in, in 21st century questions, but that's basically what she was asking, you know? And so the Holy Spirit comes to her and says, listen, the power of the Most High will overshadow overshadow you. Divine movement is not confined by structural limitations. You just need, that is, that's where we're standing today, is that God's movement is not limited to the structures of yours and my life. And some of us think he is. He can't do anything with this. There's no way this is going to work out. There's no way this is going to get fixed. Um, and then the angel proves it to her because I think the structure really needed a little bit more oomph to it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's kind of like governments. Yeah, we've seen them rise and fall. We've seen, we've seen economics change, rise and fall. We've seen all that religions change and stuff, all that. But this one's pretty big. This biological thing is, is a really big structure so much that the angel says, listen, I just want to confirm to you that this structure is going to move. Doesn't, again, he does not explain how we're going to move through this. I don't know how. I've got speculations if you want to have coffee and sit around and, you know, get philosophical and theological on how this all happened. But, but he says, listen, he says, and behold, your relative Elizabeth is in old age, has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her with whom was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. It's like, okay, I get it. You have a hard time believing I can move this structure. It's like, okay, so Elizabeth over here, we all know she was, a matter of fact, it says that she was called barren. Um, Mary, he's saying it to Mary. Mary, the one whom you called barren, structurally unusable, is moved upon by God. Barren, that's what that meant. Structurally unusable. Doesn't that sound, I mean, it's like you would never say that to a woman. But it's like, he's like, listen, Mary, the one that they call barren, you know it because you've called her barren too. Everybody in the family calls her barren. That's her, that's, you know, and sometimes people in life will call us something that becomes a structural hindrance to us. How about, let me just throw this past you. You're single, right? And it's holiday time. And there's, there's always Aunt Adele. I had to pick a name that I don't know, I know nobody has. So, so Aunt Adele is like, and you're at the, you're at the Christmas party, and you're like a 35-year-old woman, when are you going to get married? 
You need to get married. You need to find yourself a good... Have you seen my son, Aloysius? I'll introduce you to my son, Aloysius. You know, and it's like, it's like... And you may be totally cool being 35 and not married. When are you going to have a baby? You know? But you may not be able to have a baby. You may not want a baby. You may not be ready for a baby. Who knows? But sometimes we have fallen prey to the definition of structures that other people have called us. And Elizabeth was called, you know Elizabeth, right? She's good with flowers. She's good with uh, cooking. She's good with housekeeping. She's good on her job. So let's call her barren. Wow. Isn't it crazy? You can get that one thing in your head, that one structure against you, and that becomes the largest edifice in your life. It becomes the largest skyscraper. I am black. I am old. I am female. I am poor. I am uneducated. I am whatever you are. I have been victimized. I am damaged goods. I am divorced. Whatever it is, and it becomes, and then you all of a sudden identify yourself as what other people call you. I don't think we should underestimate this, that the angel says, you know, you know the one they call barren? You guys have all stigmatized her. Um, and Mary, hearing this, says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. What is Mary's response? And, it, and this is where she becomes an example to all of us. Lord, move in my life. Lord, move within and beyond the structures of my life. That's the prayer. That is the hope that, that, that God offers us, is to move among the structures of our life. You, you're old? Okay, you're old. I'm old. You know? I played pickleball the other day. I'm still recovering. It was a week ago. I'm still having a hard time getting up and down the stairs. And I'm thinking, you know what? I gotta find myself some magical drug that they'll inject into my knees so that I can play again. It's like, dude, there ain't no magical drug. You're old. My next door neighbor just put in a pickle court, pickleball court in their front driveway. So now I go out in my driveway and I hear, Ah! And to me, I'm like, dude, just go over. Just grab your paddle. Go, go, go. Your knees, your knees, your knees. No, no, go, go. Your knees. You'll, you'll never walk again. Don't replace both of those knees. You know, that, and it's, like, it's like there are so many things that, that we get into our heads. And God wants to move beyond the boundaries. I'm, I'm guessing, and you can rebuke me for lacking faith, I'm willing to bet that God's not going to give me an, a set of new knees, okay? He said, Paul, don't, don't, don't receive that. That's a word curse. Uh, it's like, no, I'm, I'm almost 65 years old, and I've worn the bottoms of my kneecaps right out. It's gone. I had a good time. Don't feel sorry for me. So it's probably going to be the same. And for a lot of us, our past are probably set in stone. Culture, 
family. You were raised by who you were raised with. You, that's a structure you can't, you can't pull down. Perception, governing, social and personal governance, tradition, how things have been done in the past, all these things. And in the middle of it, and Mary had all of it. Mary is in Nazareth. Let me just tell you what Nazareth is like. Nazareth, matter of fact, the geographical location was in question up until like the 1950s. Matter of fact, it was an argument that a lot of atheists used against the validity of the Gospels because the town of Nazareth had never been discovered. Well, in an archaeological dig underneath another city, they found what appears to be a little subdivision. I mean, basically, no offense, a bunch of mobile homes in an undeveloped area. Okay? I had nothing against mobile homes. I'll probably be living in one one day, and it'll have a nice TV. Let me just tell you that. Uh, but it, uh, that's basically what Nazareth is, is undeveloped, rural, you know, um, and they found Nazareth. But it got buried under all, because nobody notices in, in Nazareth. And Mary is coming from obscurity of obscurity. I mean, when Jesus comes up on the, on the move, I think it's Phil, no, Nathaniel asks, when they say, oh, we have found the Savior, and they say, well, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And he's like, what? <laughs> Nothing good ever came out of that. So maybe uh, some of you have allowed a structure to get in your way. Maybe some of you allowed your relationship with God to become a structure. Consider that. Maybe for you, it's just nothing more than theology and doctrine. You know, maybe it's a structure of do's and don'ts. As long as you don't drink too much, as long as you're doing this, you're not lying, and you know, you kind of feel like you've got this structure of moral behavior, and that's 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 the movement of hope. Is it really? You know? Um, it's like one of those old cathedrals in Europe that have been converted into museums. Maybe you see Christianity as in the structural language of going to heaven, going to hell. Two structures. And that's all you see it as. I'm not saying these structures aren't real. I'm just saying that we have kind of shrunk it down to these structures instead of seeing it as hope on the move. Hope on the move in the midst of my life. I think I am most challenged by the humility of the Christmas story. That's my problem. And I have no right to be so condescending to the story. I mean, maybe I'm being bougie or whatever, but... Um, it seems so naive because, you know, what am I looking for as an American? I'm looking for great structures. I'm looking for hallmark structures. I'm looking for new, innovative structures to get hope from. A replacement knee that doesn't wear out, but yet you can play sports with. You know, I'm looking for new, and, 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 but the thing is, is the Christmas story doesn't offer that to me, does it? It offers me a manger, a stable. 
I mean, humble structures. And then as I looked at it, it was like the structures are the same. The materials have been changed, that's all. Brick and straw are replaced by concrete and steel, but they are still just perishable structures. We call ourselves modern, but we use structures as they have always been used. But in closing, some of us are stuck in our structures. We're stuck in the past. We're stuck in our culture, the condition of our lives. Some of us are stuck in, are stuck in our family. Maybe good or bad, we are just kind of like stuck into what, what they are. Some of us are stuck in our uh, structure of perception. We may think everything's bad, everyone's bad. We may see ourselves as, as unlovable. Some of us are allowing governing structures to um, affect us. We have a new mayor in, in Charleston. We were in the middle of a plan of building a berm around the city's building a berm around this church. But I got a new mayor. He may nix the plan. And it's like, Paul, what are you gonna do with the mayor? What am I gonna do with It's like, you know what? There are so many structures, I cannot worry about them. We're still gonna have church, we're still gonna love God. We're gonna do what we're gonna do and we're gonna allow hope to move in the midst of us. Some of us are caught in the structure of tradition, how it's been done, how your dad did it, how your mom did it, or what they did bad and it's gonna to happen to you. Some of us are caught in the structures of our mistakes, our addictions. Some of us are caught in the structure of our victimizations. It's one thing to be victimized, another to allow that victimization to become a structure that restricts your life. It's like, you don't understand what's been done to me. No, I don't. And I know that you have been, it's been spoken over you. You've been called victim. But the voice of the angel today is that you can be overshadowed with the Holy Spirit and hope can move in the midst of the worst of structures. And I'm looking at you and, and I know I'm preaching in the choir, but some of you are my age and older. And I, I know age is not only a structure, but it, it, people, uh, people say it's only a number. <laughs> Those are people who are heading towards age. Once you get there, oh, it's not a friggin' number, <laughs> okay? <laughs> it's an effort every single day. I wish it was just a number, but you have allowed yourself to be told that your life is in the way, that you're not valuable, that you can't make a difference anymore. Maybe your structure is sickness and illness and you only see yourself in your pain. God wants hope to move in us. That's what Christmas is about. It's not about the structures of Christmas trees and Christmas lights and presents. It's a reminder that God has moved, that God does move within the most seemingly 
impossible structures and causes of life. That's what this story is about. The, the Grinch story, it's cute. The Santa Claus story, I mean, it's a little ridiculous, but I get it. Rudolph with your nose so bright, you know, that's fun. But this is a story. This is his story. This is history. And God has moved in the midst of structures, all the structures that you and I face. Hope moves and it's on the move. So today as we come to the table of Christ, where he allowed the structure of his body to be broken and then he rose it from the dead to show you, to show you and me that he has power over the structure of, of life, over the structure of death, over the structure of sin, the structure of evil, the structure of darkness. Father, we thank you so much for this story. Lord God, we, we thank you that in the midst of the structures of life, a ribbon of hope, a thread of divine movement occurs to remind us that there may be some objects in our lives that will never get out of the way. We may not be able to go into the past and alter our family. We may not be able to take back our mistakes, though we are forgiven of them. We may not be able to change the color of our skin, the gender of our bodies. We not, may not be able to change the age that we are. But God, you offer us movement for our lives to be overshadowed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And today you give us a reminder in the bread and the cup that even in the midst of broken, destroyed structures, you can put them back together and breathe life even into the driest of bones that you move in the midst of structures. And we invite you today to move in the structure of our lives.